0: Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insight. I'm here with Billy Celio of Upper Deck. We're going to talk about Upper Deck and hockey and Billy's background. But first, thanks, sponsors. First and foremost for this episode is Upper Deck, <laughs> my favorite sponsor today. <laughs> but also Panini and Tops and Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, as well as ComC.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Billy, welcome to the show. Tell us about your hobby background and how you got to Upper
1: Deck and what you're excited about for this year. Thank you very much. My starting point of collecting cards was 1984. Tigers had just won the World Series. Baseball was a big deal. And I started collecting packs of cards. I would go to the local golf courses and pick up cans at 10 cents a piece and then go turn those in and get packs of cards for all the cans that I I picked up. It turned into something that me and my father were really able to bond doing together. He had his collection. He has that horror story that a lot of people had of his age, where his mom threw away his cards when he was a kid. And it was a great way for the two of us to spend time together. So we started, collecting more i really got into it in 1987 tops baseball was a big deal i think i've sorted and alphabetized that set about a million times just because that was what i was collecting then uh, it progressed from there my dad and i started doing shows together he liked the older stuff i liked the newer stuff and collected for a number of years went to college studied worked on school when i got done with college moved back locally in michigan and started collecting again and through that process i would meet a number of people and one of the people i met through a friend was jason mashra and we would talk every now and then i would send him messages when i would open up boxes and say what is this and i would stop by when i would be driving down to comic con and stopped by his house. One day he said, "Uh, where are you right now? And I'm like, I'm working here. I'm not too happy. Richard had passed away recently. And he goes, I don't know if you're not, but currently the president of Upper Deck. He goes, I don't hire people. He goes, I let my people hire who they want, but I know your background. Give me your resume and I can pass it on. I ended up in an interview through the phone. Then I, I came to Upper Deck. Grant interviewed me a couple times, Uh, Ben Schwartzke interviewed me, and uh, lo and behold, I received uh, the product manager job at Upper Deck. It's been uh, fun ever since. How tough was Grant on you in the interview
0: (laughs) process? Because he did some interviewing when he worked uh, on our team, and he's pretty
1: tough, Billy. What happened there? He definitely had a lot of questions. His knowledge of market value, and he asked questions to find out my knowledge. He asked questions on players, on prices, on all that stuff. The, the job of a product manager isn't necessarily just knowing all the players and prices, but it's also dealing with numbers. So you have to build the set so certain things cost out. What kind of paper are you going to use? What kind of deco foil are you going to use? Stuff like that. There was a lot of player and price questions, but there's also a lot of number questions in there just to see how comfortable you are working with stuff like Excel and and those sort of things. He was very tough. They used to say that the interview was tougher than the job sometimes. If you could make it through the
0: interview, the job would be easy. But here you are on the other side of that, Billy, so it speaks well for you. So you're not a graphic design guy. You're basically determining some of those elements.
1: I build the structure of the sets. And then I also give direction on what sort of things I'm looking for inserts and stuff like that. So I will build the outline. I will figure out what stuff's ratio to what they're number to, what sort of supplies we'll use to create the cards. I'll also have an idea of the sort of things that uh, I want the cards to look like. Then we have a big meeting. I'll write anywhere between a, a 20 page to a 60 page brief I'll have a meeting with a number of the the leaders of Upper Deck. And we'll go over it. And I'll say, this is the type of players I want in the set. And I have a coordinator and the coordinator works on the checklist. This is what I want from a design standpoint. We have our design uh, team and our pre-press people there. These are the insert names and everything I want to use. We have our legal department to make sure that everything we're doing, we can say and, and use. These are the supplies. This is the paper. We have our purchasing department there to acknowledge everything that we're looking for. So it's one big meeting that we have. And then what I do is I follow that process from the starting point all the way to the end. And we'll have engineering meetings where we see the designs and make sure they're what we were looking for, make sure that we costed everything correctly. People always think that we can make cards in, in a day, but building a set of cards to when it finally comes out to the public. It's less than a year, but it's, it's probably at least six months, Right. A lot of products now involve memorabilia and autographs and stuff like that. I'd say the, the shortest product that is like a, a full product takes about nine months to, to produce. Yes, we have stuff like game-dated moments, and that's done a little bit differently. But for a product, a, a regular product, the shortest period of time is about nine months. If somebody brought me a 60-page brief,
0: I would say... That's not brief, <laughs> but I guess you've got to determine the checklists and and all that stuff. So I could see how that would be important and in the digital age. You probably once it's all there, you can uh, massage it from there. You're not having to start over. To what extent are you borrowing or adapting from the previous experience, the year before of that product? If, if a product is really successful, are you going to let it ride and make minimal changes, go with what's winning,
1: or do you? like to tweak it each year? So there are obviously things that are expected in a set. In Upper Deck Series 1, you're going to expect young guns and game jerseys and stuff like that. One of the challenges that Grant gives his team is we don't want to produce the same product year after year exactly the same. He'll always say, give me at least three new ideas, whether it's inserts, whether it's a different kind of autograph or memorabilia cards, but give us at least three new things that will add to this set. What's great with something like UD1 is we put new stuff in there and then it goes over well. And then it just seems like each year, Upper Deck Series 1 and Series 2 gets better and better because we come up with these new ideas. And then we keep some of those new ideas in one year to the next year to the next year. Stuff like photo variations and uh, ceremonial puck drops, they continue to be part of the product and continue to be rare chase cards, along with new rare chase cards that we build for each set.
0: Do you get involved in some of the uh, focus groups or is that Chris Carlin with customer experience?
1: Are you aware of the feedback or is that filtered to you? Chris deals with most of our feedback. What I can say is I'm on the boards every day. I'm on the internet checking, seeing what people are talking about hockey cards. I'm on breakers all the time. My day usually ends around five o'clock. And usually around between four and five is when breakers start breaking boxes and stuff. And I'll go on and have a presence for Upper Deck on a lot of these breakers. If they have questions, they can ask me and I can, to my best of the ability, answer a lot of questions. And then sometimes they'll ask stuff like customer service questions, which I don't necessarily deal with. So I'm more on the building and creating as opposed to the back end customer service end of it.
0: As far as breakers, it's a pretty heavy percentage of the bigger breakers from Canada, right?
1: Yes, yes. There's a, quite a number of breakers on Canada. There's a few in the United States that I jump on also, but it, it's fun. I've met a number of these people from going to the expo in Toronto and in our CDD conference. I'll always say, just give me your card. Give me what time you guys are breaking if, and send me a message if you want me on there.
0: You've been to the national and you've been to the expo. Can you compare those for people that haven't been to both, or maybe haven't been to one or the other? Both of them are amazing. So what's your experience, mainly for hockey?
1: Maybe it's Toronto, the Expo is better for hockey. You might find this funny, but the last, unfortunately, that I went to was Chicago, 88 or 89. I actually have those flyers that Upper Deck put out say, hey, get ready for Upper Deck. We rotate. There's a a few product managers, and because Upper Deck Series 1 usually comes out around the, the Fall Expo, I usually go to the Fall Expo, and my counterparts, Tony and JT, will usually go to either the Spring or the National. Now, what I can say is, 30 years ago, when I went to the National, it was huge. They had every kind of wax you can think of, cards all over the place. I will say that Expo has grown from the standpoint of it's not just hockey anymore. I think that the Raptors winning the championship diversified the cards that are at the expo, but it's still a lot of hockey guys and it's old, it's new, it's singles. It's everything you can imagine in hockey. Even like the Hockey Hall of Fame will have a booth there and they'll be selling things. So it's very hockey oriented, but they have branched out as of late the last couple of years, even bringing all talent into the expo and basketball and whatnot.
0: How would you recommend that the the national people, because I think they're going to have an increased virtual component this year, how could they make that attractive to you? You can go to the expo in the fall, but if you're too busy to go in the middle of the summer to the national, it'll be in Chicago this year, assuming it's having. What kind of a virtual presentation would be attractive to you to be able to get the gist of the show from an upper deck perspective? Is that too difficult? to do virtually or would you see an opportunity there? Because you're obviously passionately involved and interested in what's going on, but if you can't be there, what's the next best thing for you and for Upper Deck? The Upper Deck people are there, but I'm saying to what extent would you be able to figure out in a virtual way, the excitement of the national for Upper
1: Deck? For me personally, like I've seen what the Fall Expo has done with the rooms that you can go to and talk to people and and that's been fun. It's a lot of the guys that I see and talk to whenever I'm at the fall expo anyway, so I'll go on there. I like to help out any of our dealers or any of our shops and whatnot. So I go on to a lot of these things just to try to help them out so their customers can see there's an upper deck presence at their favorite hobby shop they They have an opportunity to answer questions, so me personally, I would just like to be able to have access like we're talking right now, if if shops want to sit and talk to Upper Deck and and have questions and and just interact with the shops and interact with the consumers. Getting back to Grant, one of
0: my favorite guys uh, is it part of being at the national or at the the expo that Grant lived this life too is that we were really trying to track the secondary market. I think the card companies want to track the secondary market just to know how their products are doing, not just this year's, but previous years. It's hard to do that without Looking at the tables, talking to the dealers behind the table, seeing what's selling, seeing what people are walking around with. That kind of experience allowed Grant to come into Upper Deck and understand that the primary pricing and making sure that when you put all this value in the pack and in the box and the case, it's still a business where you have profit, that you're pricing it, that you get uh, healthy demand and you're making a healthy profit. I think it's tricky if you're not there. So for you, my answer to that is I'd want to have a virtual experience that allows people to be able to do that so that you could connect with the people you need to connect with and maybe see what they have and bring it into context. So I'm lobbying for you, Billy. I'm I'm on your side. I (laughs) want you to go to all those shows because I think that's going to make for better products. And I want Upper Deck to have the best products. I want everybody
1: to have the best products mentioning grant one of, one of the pleasures i had and some could say pleasure some i don't know if grant considers it a pleasure but my first six months was basically just sitting next to him and him explaining everything he does and why he does it that was the best teaching i could have had sometimes it just i've been sitting next to this guy all day he's got to be sick of me but learning from him and how he does everything i've never seen anyone working uh, a keyboard faster than that guy <laughs> and louder than that guy. We we do pay attention to the secondary market. And I love what you said about talking with the shops. We're constantly on eBay, on check out my cards. And I'm looking at prices of what things are going for. Something else that I do is I've I've joined a number of Facebook uh, groups and uh, some of them are just uh, for chronology because I help build chronology, but then that has been buying stuff so I can get a feel for what the market is and and how quickly it changes. Cause man, one of those rookies has a big game and all of a sudden you see someone on a Facebook group trying to sell them for 30 bucks a piece when yesterday they were $5. So I'm able to get a feel a little bit from Facebook groups and from eBay and check out my cards for sure.
0: Thanks, Billy. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us and a little peek at uh, how some of these products are built. Thanks listeners for being with us. Billy, I've enjoyed it and we'll we'll talk again soon. And again, thanks for a great episode.